Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, verse 25. We're going to look at the testimony of Simeon, an older man who has a great testimony for us in the birth of Jesus. We are looking at three different individuals, groups, in the context of the shepherd, of the ones that understood the birth of Christ and uh, understood what was happening. They were few and far between. Uh, We can count them on one hand, who understood what was happening when Jesus was born into the world. And that's just uh, kind of amazing. That's kind of how it goes, though. It's a testimony to the ignorance, stubbornness, unbelief, or just out of focusness, that's a word, of the sinful world, of what God is doing. It's our testimony. Many times we just don't get it. We, we are not focused where we need to be focused. And may these testimonies we're looking at be an encouragement to us to be different. To be focusing on what God is doing. And Simeon's testimony is a very powerful testimony of that. Where many others did not understand what God was doing, but Simeon understood. And he knew. He knew what God was doing when he sent Jesus there when he was born. And he knew the timing. He knew what was happening. And most everybody else was pretty clueless as to what God was doing. They caught up later. We have caught up later in the sense of the world. We now celebrate the birth of Christ around the world. But on that night when it happened... And the days when it happened, most of the world was clueless. But not the shepherds, and not Simeon, and not Anna, and we'll look at her next week. They have great testimonies of being in tune with what God was doing. And we all want to apply all of this to us in all of these weeks to say, are we in tune? with what God is doing? Are we in tune with what God is doing right now? Are we in tune, going to be in tune with what God will do as we head toward His second coming? Will we be like Jesus said, He taught us, He said, every generation, you be watching, you be ready, and you be working for Me. So when I come, I find you watching and ready and working, and you understand what I'm doing. Are we those kind of people in the same way? Are we in tune with what God is doing, what Jesus is doing in the world? We won't be if we don't do what these individuals did and if we don't do what Simeon. Simeon is a great example for us of how to be in tune with what God is doing. And we see three things from his life that allowed him to be in tune with God. God's timing and God's works of bringing Jesus into the world. And I want to notice those three things today. 
Verse 25, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. It says that Simeon was just and devout. That's... uh, A way the Bible says that Simeon was saved. Simeon was a saved man. His sins were forgiven. He was just and devout. He was seeking to, he was just is a statement of his forgiveness. Uh, Devout is a statement that he was seeking to obey God. And that's what goes together is when we receive God's salvation through Jesus, our sins are forgiven for the purpose that our life's going to change. Their life's going to go a different direction now. It's going to go into seeking to obey because our, it was our disobedience that caused the whole problem in the start in the first place. That's why we had to be saved. And so it's all about a change of direction. And Simeon was just, he was forgiven, and he was devout. He was seeking to obey God in his life and to live in obedience to his word. And people were saved in the Old Testament that way, the same way we are saved. And it was that God had told them, I will forgive your sins if you will put your trust in me. And he said, I'm going to send the Messiah and he's going to take away your sins. And the people in the Old Testament were saved by looking forward to his coming and repenting the same way and putting their faith on the Messiah who would come to pay for their sins. We look back on the coming of Christ and his death and resurrection. And we repent and put our faith back on what we have seen and know him to have done. And so we both are saved the same way through repentance and faith. It's just our perspective. The Old Testament saints look forward to the coming of the Messiah. We look back. The Messiah has come. Simeon, therefore, was saved, just and devout. As he looked forward to the coming of the Messiah, and as we see here, he... Uh, was in tune with God where he knew the very time he he was able to recognize the time uh, that Jesus was born. And when he came into the temple and he was able to take him up in his arms and worship him because he was in tune with what God was doing on the earth. How did Simeon do this? What caused Simeon and resulted in Simeon being in tune with God in this way? There are three things, and the first one is the end of verse 25, where it says, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. The first thing that 
set the tone for Simeon's life as he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now that phrase, the consolation of Israel, is a term referring to the coming of the Messiah. When the Messiah came, when he was prophesied to come, he was, it was said that he would comfort Israel. He will comfort you in your sins. He will comfort you in the burden of sins that are upon you. And he will comfort you in the burden of enemies that are upon you, even physically in your nation. And he will deliver you. And in that way, he will comfort you, relieve the burden off of you, of your sins and your enemies. And that was the comfort spoken about by the prophets repeatedly through the Old Testament. And the Jewish people and the rabbis then came up with a phrase and said, it's the consolation of Israel. It's when Israel is going to be consoled, delivered, saved, is when the Messiah comes. And this is what Luke refers to here. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for the coming of the Messiah. He was waiting for it. He was looking forward to it. He was focused on it. He was looking for it, meaning this was the focus of Simeon's life. Here's the first thing that defines Simeon's life is that he was focused on the works of God on the earth. There was a lot of things happening in the world, just like it happens in every generation, just like it's happening in our world today. Things were in a great upheaval in Israel under the Roman Empire. They didn't like that. They didn't like the occupation. They didn't like the high taxes. There was all kinds of things going on. And we know and we understand. And uh, we were able to dramatize this in, in our nativity scene where the Romans had announced a census that threw the whole world into a tizzy. Everybody had to go to, the, to their hometown. And pay then register a census that, that was going to result in a tax coming. And all of this was going on. And there was a host of other things going on. Uh, all kinds of things. But Simeon's greatest focus was on the work God was doing on the earth. And let me give you a contrast. And I think this is true today. It's true of every generation. There's two basic focuses uh, in life. They can define a person's life. It, it, they either focus on man's work on the earth or they're focusing on God's work on the earth. And by and large, most people, and left to ourselves and most of the world, is consumed with man's work on the earth. Man's work that's characterized by many of the same things that have characterized every generation. Political power, political conquest. You had that throughout all the ancient world with Egypt and Assyria and Babylonia. And all of that was man's work on the earth. And, 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 and it, it, it was something you had to deal with. But the question was, were you going to focus just on that? That's all your focus? Or was it on God's work? Daniel's an example of that. He was a captive in the Babylonian, Assyrian Babylonian kingdom. And yet his first focus, his uh, primary focus and greatest focus was on the works of God on the earth and Israel. And he lived for that. Simeon was like that. 
Simeon was focused on the works of God on the earth. He was saying, Lord, when are you going to send the Messiah? When is he going to come? Will it be in my lifetime? I'm, I'm looking for the Messiah. He was looking, focused on when the Christ will be born into Israel rather than man's works. Man's works revolve around political things. A lot of man's works revolve around recreation and sports. And this really got really developed in the ancient world through the Greek empire and their focus on man's works of athletic competition. They, they set that up and they so focused on it and they ingrained that in the young generation where they set up really the first prominent system of education outside the home. And they set up the, the schools and they, they revolved it around sports. The schools were called gymnasiums there because that was a fundamental part of their training was athletic competition and preparing then for their Olympics, the Olympic competition. And they just went totally overboard on all that. There's nothing wrong in itself with sports and recreational games, but they went totally overboard and they made it the supreme focus of life and they were focused on just their own accomplishments and they thought if you could win a race, if you could win a competition, that it was the highest thing in life and it was the greatest accomplishment in life and that's what they did. They lived for that. And they even got to the point where they worshiped their athletic heroes. And they'd give them a wreath to wear and they'd worship them like gods. Does it sound familiar? Does it sound familiar? Because we are doing the very same thing in a modern world in America. It is the athletes who are seen as the, the, the most amazing people. And the fact that they can jump a certain way and do certain things with a, with a, a, a ball. It's, the world thinks that's just amazing. And it means just absolutely nothing in the big scheme of things. The Greeks focused on that, man's work. We're focused on that today, man's works. I caught a little glimpse of that. Yesterday I was working in a house and uh, people were gone and they left their TV on. I had to walk through the living room several times. And I walked by, there's a basketball game on. And I catch it for just a few seconds. And I just see this scene that, that it shows the crowd. And the ref has just made a call and the crowd, a guy just jumps up and he's hollering and he's shaking his fist and he's just going bonkers over this call. And I just looked at that and thought, how silly, how silly. This man is so worked up over a call, over a ball game of who's going to win a basketball game. And it's like he's just going crazy over it. It's like ruining his life. But if his team is going to lose, he'd go home all upset. That's focusing on man's works. It's all about a basketball season, football season. And, you know, I've been there, been there, done that. But, and I've moved away from that. Again, there's nothing totally sinful with that. But if it goes beyond of balance and priorities, then it becomes wrong. And the world is way overbalanced, focusing on man's works in this way that are really insignificant. Simeon, though was focused on God's work. And let me bring this out. The Greeks started all the Olympics and all that stuff prior to the, Bible, the New Testament times. They, they and, and their gymnasiums and schools were being uh, spread around the world. And there was a gymnasium set up in Jerusalem 
And athletic competitions were set up. Races, chariot races, so forth. All that stuff was going on at this time. That was not Simeon's focus. Much like today, same type of things. Simeon's focus wasn't on that. His focus was on waiting for the consolation of Israel, waiting for the Messiah to come, focused on God's works, which was Jesus coming to the earth. Simeon focused on God's works. And so the question comes, what is our focus? What is our main focus? Same choice. It's the same thing. Every generation deals with many, many similar things, either man's works or God's works. What is our focus? We, we are now waiting for the second coming of Jesus. That's God's work on the earth. There's all this political stuff going on. There's all the athletic stuff going on. There's entertainment stuff. That, that it's, it's a big, big mess, and that's people, that's their focus. It's just the new, new movie that comes out, and this thing and that thing. All man's works. But God's work is Jesus saying, be watching, be ready, and be working for my kingdom because I'm coming back. That's God's work on the earth. It's the same. We're in the same situation as Simeon here. The question is, are we waiting for the consolation of Israel? Because when he comes back, it still applies to that. When he comes back the second time, it'll be coming to redeem Israel. It'll be coming to rescue Israel and to restore them in their government, in their kingdom, that he will sit over. Simeon was focused on the kingdom work of Jesus on the earth. And I want to say this, that if we will follow the same steps of Simeon here, if we will focus on God's work on the earth and his next work of the second coming of Jesus... We'll have more understanding about it than if we didn't focus on that work. We'll have an understanding of what is coming in the days ahead. Simeon was revealed of when the birth of Jesus would come and that he was going to see it. It was because he sought and waited for that. Now, we are told we won't know the exact timing of his second coming. We won't know all the details of his second coming, but we can know some things. And Jesus said, when you see certain things happen, you'll know it's near. And God will reveal things to us and we will be more in the know. We will have understanding as we wait for the consolation of Israel, as we have that as our main focus. We can follow Simeon's testimony, his example here in the same way. This was the first focus of his life, waiting for the consolation of Israel, focused on the work of God on the earth in bringing the Messiah. The second thing is in the last phrase, verse 25, and going into verse 26. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. The second thing we see in Simeon's life is that he followed the leadership of the Holy Spirit. He focused on God's works first, and then second, he followed the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Now notice first, the first phrase, the Holy Spirit was upon him. That meant 
he was indwelt by the Holy Spirit. There's another testimony. Simeon was saved. You, you can't have the Holy Spirit unless you're saved. If you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was upon him because he was saved. He had the Holy Spirit in him, but that wasn't the final goal. The final goal for Simeon and us is not if we have the Holy Spirit, just that the Holy Spirit's there. And we can just talk about it. Oh, the Holy Spirit's here. We are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, but the New Testament goes one step further as the final goal and says, so you, you are to be controlled by the Holy Spirit and to be led by the Holy Spirit. That's why he's there. We are to listen to the Holy Spirit to lead us. And that's what we see Simeon do here. And it's just a wonderful testimony. Simeon was full of the Holy Spirit and God revealed to him by the Holy Spirit first that he would not die till he had seen the Lord's Christ. And then one day, the Holy Spirit whispered to the heart of Simeon and said, go to the temple. Go to the temple now. Now, many times the Holy Spirit spoke in the Old Testament prophets. There is record that they spoke and heard audible words. Uh, it was, I believe it was either the Lord Jesus speaking, pre-incarnate Christ speaking to them, or the Holy Spirit. But in the New Testament, filling the Holy Spirit, the record is that the Holy Spirit speaks within us in a still, small voice. But He does speak. And we can be led by the Holy Spirit to do certain things at certain times. And we need to learn how to listen for the Holy Spirit. Simeon had learned to do that. And he, he learned that the Holy Spirit whispered to his heart, go to the temple now. Simeon got up and he went to the temple. He was led by the Spirit. And he obeyed what the Spirit led him to do. And he obeyed right away. Notice, if he had not done that, he would have missed the Lord Jesus it says, he was there beforehand, verse 27, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus. So Simeon's there first, and then Joseph and Mary come in with baby Jesus, and then he recognizes that this is the Messiah. If Simeon had said, well, okay, I'll go to the temple later on, he would have missed Jesus. If he had said, well, you know, I got to go down, I'm, gonna go, I'm going to the chariot races first. And after the races, I'll go on over there. He would have missed him. But that's not what Simeon did. Because Simeon had his priorities straight. He was focusing on God's works. And then he was following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit whispered something to his heart, he did it. He was led by the Spirit. And many times that happens. It can happen with us. That God will impress upon us something to do. And if we don't do it right then, many times we'll miss the purpose for what he is leading us to do. But here is a, here is a uh, very fundamental aspect in life where we have two different elements. We can be led by our flesh or we can be led by the Spirit. I want you to go with me to the book of Romans. I want you to notice the, these two elements in uh, chapter 8, verse 12. Paul speaks of this 
uh, of these two elements and how we can be led by the Spirit. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So he says there, we can either live according to the flesh or we can live according to the spirit. And living according to the spirit is being led by the spirit. Not just that the spirit's there. That we can just say, oh, I got the Holy Spirit, but then I'm going to go out and do whatever I want to do. That's a contradiction. The reason we have the Holy Spirit is that then we'll be led by the Holy Spirit and we will follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And that's why Paul presents those two elements where he says, if you therefore live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit, he says in the book of Galatians. Because you can have the Holy Spirit, but not follow what the Spirit's telling you. On any given day. But that's the point. That we have the Holy Spirit. So now he can lead us. But the key thing that must happen is. We must listen to the Holy Spirit. And obey what the Spirit directs us to do. And it plays out in these two ways. Our flesh wants to lead us. Our physical flesh. What we see. What we hear. What we feel. Basically we can release pinpoint it with our feelings that's our flesh our feelings and the battle is that our feelings will rise up and pull us one direction and the spirit wants to lead us another direction they're opposites you're either going to live according to the flesh which is towards sinful things or toward the spirit and the spirit's going to lead us to obedience to god And in our life, day in, day out, we have this choice. We have this battle going on. Are you going to be led by the flesh or led by the Spirit? Are you going to walk in your flesh? Are you going to walk in the Spirit? Simeon had learned how to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And that's what allowed him to experience seeing baby Jesus. He had learned to listen to the Holy Spirit and he had learned to commit to obeying the Holy Spirit. And it brought great blessing in his life. Look back a few verses earlier in the chapter and in verse 4 and 5 and look at uh, verse 5 and 6 and look at what it says. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And Paul very, very insightfully there points out that living in the flesh results from setting our minds on the sinful things of the flesh. But living in the the Spirit comes by setting our minds on the things of the Spirit. And this is what was carried out in Simeon's life, is he set his mind on the things of the Spirit. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was listening to the Holy Spirit's direction in his life and doing what is right according to the Word of God, and he then followed the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And so 
The key is your mind first. What you put your mind on. The things of man. All the things of the world. Watching ball games all day long. That's not going to result in you being led by the Spirit. Playing video games all day long, all night. That's not going to result in you following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Following all the sinful things of the world. That's not going to result in being led by the Spirit. It's going to be when we set our minds on the things of the Spirit, the things of God, the things that are right. This is the testimony of Simeon's life. Back in Luke chapter 2, this is the powerful testimony of his example, even to the very specific thing of that God, through the Holy Spirit, led him to go to the temple at a certain time of a day, and Simeon went. And it was fulfillment of what God had promised him and a great blessing. It was just a gift, really. It was a gift to Simeon. Our God is the giver of gifts. Christmas time is celebrated in giving gifts because it's a testimony to what God is like. God's the giver of all things. He's the father of lights, James writes. He's the giver of all good things. Everything comes from God. He's the giver of good gifts every day, every month, every year. We give gifts out of testimony of what God the Father does. And it was a gift to Simeon that he would just get to see the baby Messiah when he's born. God didn't have to do that for Simeon, but God gave Simeon a gift. And he led him by the Spirit to go to the temple. And Simeon obeyed. And he was there in the temple. And he got to see the baby Jesus brought in. Because he followed the leadership of the Holy Spirit. There are wonderful things that God will bless you in your life with. That he wants to bless you with. But you will miss them if you don't follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit in your life. God's a giver of gifts. Many, many gifts. But we can miss out if we are not in tune with him. And we don't follow what he leads us to do through the Holy Spirit we can miss out on a lot of his good gifts. We can go to heaven, we can be saved, but we can miss out on a lot of good gifts that God will just give us because he's good. He's just a good father and he'll give even extra things at times and he did that to Simeon here because he followed the leadership of the Holy Spirit. So the second thing that defined Simeon's life was he followed the leadership of the Holy Spirit. First thing, he focused on God's works on the earth. Second, he followed the leadership of the Holy Spirit in his life. The third thing we see that defines Simeon's life is that he was full of the knowledge of the Word of God. When he, verse 28, he takes up the baby Jesus in his arms. <laughs> it's kind of an interesting thing there of just how it happened. It doesn't say he asked to take up uh, the baby. He just took him up in his arms. Don't know if Mary had a little dress over that. Man, old man comes up, takes her baby out of his arms. But I'm sure it worked out. Uh, But he, he takes baby Jesus in his arms and he begins to bless God. And he quotes scripture in a very insightful way, in a very knowledgeable way. And it's a wonderful testimony of the 
life of Simeon. He says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. He first refers to the specific word that God had given him that he wasn't going to die without seeing the Christ child. And he says, you have fulfilled your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples. And here he quotes then in verse 32, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Simeon quoted the book of Isaiah here. Simeon was very acquainted with God's word and in what God had spoken, particularly through the prophet Isaiah. From chapter, the second half of the book of Isaiah presents the salvation of Israel. Chapter 40 through 66. And it's just an amazing thing in God's word. It, it is a miniature layout of the Bible. You have 66 chapters in Isaiah. You have 66 books in the Bible. And the first 39 chapters of Isaiah deal with the sinfulness and the judgment of Israel. And the second 27 chapters of Isaiah, chapter 40 through 66, deal with the salvation of Israel and the redemption of Israel and the victory of Israel and the victory of the, of the Messiah. Just like the Old Testament proclaims our sinfulness, God's judgment, and then New Testament proclaims our salvation. Simeon knew Isaiah 40 through 66, and he quotes it here, that God had brought his salvation through the Messiah that he held in his arms, and that this salvation was going to be a light to the Gentiles first and to the glory of his people Israel, that God was going to save Gentiles and Jews through this Messiah. That was so knowledgeable. And he only knew that because he knew the Word of God. All, most other Jews had no idea, wouldn't even conceive of this. They had no, they didn't even, they didn't want the Gentiles to be saved. They thought salvation was only going to be for Israel. That's why the disciples had such a hard time with Jesus talking to a Samaritan. And afterward, then going, taking the gospel to the Gentiles. They struggled with that because of this mentality that they thought only Israel was going to be saved. But Simeon here, here before any of it really starts being fulfilled, Simeon knows what's going to happen. He knows the Gentiles are going to be saved and he knows Israel is going to be saved. Where does he know this? Let's, I want to show you the book of Isaiah. Go to chapter 49. So Simeon knew exactly what all Jesus was going to do when he grew up and fulfilled his ministry. If the disciples had known the Word of God in that way, they would have known what He was going to do. They wouldn't have had so many questions and confusion because it was all written by the prophets. Chapter 49 in Isaiah, verse 5, And now the Lord says, Who formed me from the womb to be His servant, and it's talking about Jesus, to bring Jacob back to Him so that Israel is gathered to Him, so I shall be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. Indeed, he says, it is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tri tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. That's a great prophecy about Jesus' ministry. And God says to him, you're going to be, you're going to redeem Jacob. You're going to redeem Israel. You're going to save your people. But he says, it's a too small of a thing just to save Israel. I'm going to let you be a light to the Gentiles, all the other nations of the world. And you're going to bring in 
peoples from around the world into my salvation. You're going to be a light to the Gentiles. And that's what Simeon quoted. He knew it. This is God's salvation, to, bring, to be a light to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And this is just one time in the book where it, it states this throughout the book. Uh, look, at, uh, look at chapter 9, verse, verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. And then it goes on, leads into the verses we read earlier, the great prophecy of Jesus coming, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And all the verses around it talk about how he will come and he will grow up in Galilee. It says the light will, will shine and come to Galilee, Galilee of the Gentiles. And he'll be a light to Israel and the Gentiles. And many other places, Israel, uh, Isaiah rather, prophesies in this wording that Jesus will be a light to the Gentiles and salvation to Israel. That is what Simeon knew. And he knew it even to the point that he could quote it. He had memorized it. He was full of the knowledge of the Word of God. He so treasured the Word of God that he read it, he studied it, he learned it to understand what it was saying, and then he committed it to memory so that he had full knowledge of it. And he could speak it. And that's what he did as he, as he stood there in the temple holding the baby Jesus. He said, this is the fulfillment of the promise through the prophet Isaiah that this child will bring salvation to both Jew and Gentile and make one in the kingdom of God. And he will bring comfort and consolation to Israel. I want to read one prophecy at the end of Isaiah 66 on the, along this line where, uh, it, where it said, Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Many times, I encourage you to read through Isaiah 40, chapter 40 through 66, and see how many times it talks, it gives the concept of comfort. In fact, Isaiah 40 starts out that way. Familiar verses that you will remember. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, says the Lord. That is the message of Isaiah. That is the message of the Messiah. And at the end of his prophecy, chapter 66, in verse 10, it says, Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad with her, all you who love her. Rejoice with joy for, with her, all you who mourn for her, that you may feed and be satisfied with the consolation of her bosom. There's the phrase. Her, she's been, she has a consolation because the Messiah has come that you may drink deeply and be delighted with the abundance of her glory. For thus says the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river and the glory of the Gentiles like a flowing stream. Then you shall feed on her sides, shall you be carried and be dondled on her knees. As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you and you will be comforted in Jerusalem. 
That's how God phrased the coming to the Messiah. He's going to come. He's going to comfort you. He's going to comfort you in your sins and in your enemies and all your trials. And He is going to bring you peace through His forgiveness. This is what Simeon knew. This is what his mind was full of because it was full of the Word of God. That Jesus had come to comfort now Israel and He would even be a light to the Gentiles. Simeon had insightful knowledge of these things because he knew the Word of God. We can have insights into what's going on in the world and what's most important and what's going to happen in the future by knowing the Word of God. It is the knowledge we need. We need to be full of the knowledge of God. Through his word. We need to read it. We need to study it. We need to understand it. And we need to uh, memorize it. And we will have knowledge of what's happening on the earth, like Simeon did. Simeon's knowledge didn't stop there. He got very specific on the verse 33 and 30, 34. It says that he blessed Joseph and Mary and spoke to them. And particularly to Mary and said, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Simeon here is predicting the death of Jesus. The death of the Messiah. This also is a testimony to his knowledge. All Israel missed that. They were ignorant of that. They thought once the Messiah came, he would live forever because he's the son of God. He's the Messiah. He would defeat all the enemies. So no one's going to kill him. He's going to last forever. That's why they could not accept the cross at first. They did not know Isaiah 53 and Daniel chapter 9 that said the Messiah will be cut off. And Messiah will lay down his life for us. But Simeon knew it. And Simeon begins to then prophesy to Mary of the coming death of her son. First, uh, I mean, Simeon is so, he's so full of knowledge here. Notice, I see indication here, he's predicting uh, Joseph's death. He speaks to Mary. He does not speak to Joseph. He says, a sword's going to pierce your soul, Mary. He doesn't say it to Joseph. That's an indication to Joseph he wasn't going to be there. And that's exactly what happened. Simeon is on target here through the knowledge that God had given him and blessed him with because he was full of the Word of God. He speaks to Mary of the death of Jesus, that Jesus will be spoken against, that Israel will will uh, reject him and a sword will pierce her own soul as she has to watch her son die. Simeon is full of knowledge through the blessing of God. And the way that we can be blessed with knowledge and wisdom is by being full of the word of God. By reading every book of the Bible. Every book has a purpose. We read it and we learn it and we understand it and then memorize it as much as we can so that it's a part of us and we're full of it. 
so that we can share it with others just as Simeon did here. And so these three things define Simeon. And I can see why. He was one of the hand, few in the handful that God chose to reveal of when Jesus was born. Because Simeon was focused on God's works. He was following the leadership of the Holy Spirit and was full of the knowledge of the Word of God. And so God used him to proclaim that baby Jesus was the Messiah and that he was here and he was among them and that the Messiah had come. And may God help us to follow the example of Simeon and to be focused on God's work of the kingdom of God on the earth, to be following the leadership of the Holy Spirit and to be full of the knowledge of the word of God and God will give us gifts, God will give us knowledge and give us understanding about what he will do in the coming days on the earth and what he's doing in the world today through the Lord Jesus, the King of Israel. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord, for the great testimony of Simeon, your work in his life. Help us to follow in his steps to, be, to have the right focus on your kingdom and not be distracted by all the world's doing. To, be, to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Oh Lord, help us to, be, to learn this. Help us to be sensitive, to not follow our feelings, but to follow the Holy Spirit's leadership in our hearts. Lead us, Holy Spirit. Teach us what we need to know. Uh, lead us what we need to do. And help us to listen to your still small voice to our hearts. That we may be obedient people to you. Help us to be full of the word of God. Help us to, to read through your word in the coming year. And to be, teach us what we need to know. Teach us, show us things that we have not seen yet. Teach us more and more of your word, that we may be wiser than our enemies and be strong in our faith. Thank you for this testimony of Simeon, and may you help us to follow his example. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.